Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Ready to celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's and iHeart present Women Take the Mic, sharing empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&M's and spread some positivity. From breaking glass ceilings to dominating in sports and entertainment, women truly are unstoppable. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for up to half the cost. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Savings based on cost of Consumer Cellular single line 1, 5, and 10 gig data plans with unlimited talk and text compared to lowest cost single line postpaid unlimited talk text and data plans offered by T-Mobile and Verizon January 2024. Bridgerton, the official podcast, is a partnership between Shondaland Audio and iHeartRadio. Welcome to Bridgerton, the official podcast, your exclusive peek behind the curtain of Shondaland's Bridgerton series. Before we meet our guests this week, here's a brief recap of episode 204, Victory. Still hopeful about her upcoming engagement, Edwina pushes Kate and Anthony to get along, and as their feelings for each other surface, they share a tender moment in the library, but Anthony's already made up his mind and proposes to Edwina right before her carriage leaves. This week, host Gabrielle Collins welcomes back director Alex Pillay and Bridgerton novel series author Julia Quinn to pick up where they left off on episode 204. Alex Pillay. Once again, I really loved episodes 203 and 204. It just really sets off whatever, everything that happens afterwards. <laughs> well, I mean, w- what can you say? To be given those two episodes, Gabby, was a, a dream. Not only did I love the show, to then be given, basically, it's a, a kind of a week country house party at Aubrey Hall. The whole thing starts with the Sharmas arriving and ends with the Sharmas leaving. And that's a set piece. It's, a two, it's almost like a two-part episode. It is. And certainly we, we, we talked about it a lot like that. Obviously, in the second part, we have the whole arrival with the, the parties arriving and, of course, finally with the ball. But the whole dilemma over it is, what is Anthony going to do? Is he actually going to propose? Is he actually going to make any movement at all? Has he made the right decision? And his sister, of course, uh, played fantastically by Phoebe. Yeah. Is, you know, so Daphne's then arrives. And in season two, when she comes back in the, in episodes three and four, oh, well, she's the now the one who's, who can comment on him and actually ask him very specifically, is he making the right choice You know, with Edwina or is there something else? Is there something else going on with his relationship with Kate? <laughs> Yeah, she sniffed it out. <laughs> she sniffs it out. I mean, you know, I, obviously it's one of those things that, that we're at well ahead of the characters on. You know, we're well ahead of both Kate and Anthony. We we kind of go, well, they hate each other so much, they got to love each other. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and of course, no, Phoebe's very, very... 
clever actor. I love her non-spoken acting, her facial expressions, her body language. I'm like, what did Alex have to do with this? Because there's so much of it throughout 03 and 04. Well, I won't take too much credit. I mean, I'm the director, but Phoebe is a star and she's so supple. So subtle. And we were working working our way towards that extraordinary scene where she finds Kate and Anthony about to kiss. From her angle, it probably looks like they're kissing. And Anthony storms out after it. There is obviously something between you. And I know that this is not as you would wish. But you must be honest with yourself. Because one way or another, these kind of feelings always have a way of coming to the surface. And what kind of feelings are those? Well, love. And that's for the very first time that Anthony realises what it is that he's been feeling. He thought it was annoyance. He thought the reason his blood temperature started to rise and his heartbeat started to race was because he hated this woman. But actually, no, actually he loves her. Julia Quinn. Maybe the fans recognize this as like the moment where it becomes evident to Anthony that Kate is like exactly maybe what he's looking for in a mate. And also very evident to Daphne. Like she's like in the show, she's like watching the interactions and just kind of picking up on this like very visceral like chemistry. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, maybe this is the moment where that kind of crystallizes for onlookers. Oh, I think he's too stupid. I don't think he figured it out yet. But Daphne did for sure. Daphne knew it. Really? No, See, so I think he needed a little more or or he was, but couldn't admit it to himself. Oh, my gosh. And I wondered that very much. Like, is Anthony fighting it or is he just. He fights it all the way because, he, you know, he he's made up his mind what he wants to do. And he's not somebody who likes to second guess himself once he makes up his mind. Oh, I see that now. He's pretty proud. Okay, because I feel like it's so obvious. Um, and maybe that's maybe that is for the viewer to just be like, Anthony, what is wrong with you? Like what he's feeling is a forbidden love. A forbidden love is it's a love that we know to be true and we know to be honest. We know to be pure. But someone is telling us we can't feel. And in this case, it's all to do with the etiquette of marriage. You, you can't be wooing one woman but actually falling in love with the sister you know that's a huge social no-no <laughs> but in our present world we know exactly what forbidden love is you know yeah we we are we live in countries relatively free hopefully where people can fall in love with people but of course in other parts of the world and i think unfortunately you could look at the record of this i think there's 156 countries where um Gay love is, for example, illegal. Right. Uh, and many of those countries, it's more than illegal. It's punishable in the most severe ways. And I think there's just something amazing that Phoebe does, which a film, a proper film star does, is make her dialogue universal. So when she said, but Anthony, you're in love. I felt when I was filming that, I said, I said to Phoebe, you have just spoken to every single man and woman, trans person or whoever, about what love's really about. It's about honesty and understanding your feelings completely honestly and being yourself. And wow, 
she she hammered that home. It was about Anthony and Kate, but it was about everyone, I hope, watching. It's certainly about me. I hope it was about you because she did that for me. And I, I will forever thank her for that performance in that room because I thought, wow, Phoebe, you're something special. <laughs> yeah. There's just this little tiny moment where she's talking to Violet Bridgerton as they're preparing for their big soiree, their big ball. And they're talking about Anthony and kind of suspecting like Anthony would want to be with someone that was more like him. And Violet like says something and turns away, but it's just the way Daphne like looks at Violet and then looks away and looks back. It's just so subtle. I I can't put my finger on it, but it's just such a, um, I think it's just very human. Like I feel like she's not acting, you know, she she herself has got in a different situation from season one. I mean, I'm sure everyone's noticed this. She's coming in as uh, uh, as a duchess, and yeah. she's got a certain amount of power. Mm-hmm. She's got more say. So, you know, we're talking again about the position of women in this time. So as Daphne comes into her episode, she's already got a... Uh, a status that is higher than in season one. Yeah. I mean, also she's got more life experiences now, a whole new little human. Like she's married. Like she, she brings a lot to the table. She brings a huge amount to the table. In fact, uh, me, Daphne and Jonathan, Johnny talked a huge amount about actually how between season one and season two, their relationship has kind of turned around. So in season one, Johnny's character, Anthony's very much, almost bullying her yeah um and 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 she kind of has to take it i mean they're very close i'm not saying that as characters but he he has a has a dominant uh effect on her i was gonna ask you if that is something is that part of anthony's development and or lack of development (laughs) so when phoebe puts the gauntlet down she says you know i'm paraphrasing it all the time, not quoting the script, but she says, you should do the right thing. You should have the guts to do the right thing. And you know what? He doesn't. And that, of course, hopefully keeps the ball rolling. It brings us back to find out what's going to happen next. But there is a great sense of failure for Anthony at the end of this. It's fantastic for Edwina. It's tragic for Kate, who has realised herself that she loves Anthony. But he fails. Or does he? I mean, you know, that's... I mean, I feel he fails. The weird thing is, Gabby, we're talking about this in a very serious manner. And there are some very sad and, and, and extraordinary scenes in these two episodes. But it's also wildly entertaining. And the thing is that you can't make something wildly entertaining unless you understand what, what the serious bits of it are about. You have to make it real, you know, emotionally real. And then you can have fun. You can have fun with the ball, you know, when we've got uh, orchestral versions of of modern day uh music you know when you've got you know extraordinary choreography that is quite modern actually and is based on rumbas or or dancers that weren't around at that time uh, and we can have a, gr- a great laugh with them and actually you know most of the time we were laughing on set it was fun but what roots it all are these things about the position of women in the era and about the in some ways that are, are freeing ourselves of the necessity to look at people's skin tone and judge them their characters on that and these two very serious things undermine what is actually the most wonderful wish fulfillment which is this show we'll be right back 
Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. You need a vehicle that can meet your family's needs, and Toyota has you covered. Introducing the first ever Grand Highlander, a midsize SUV with the ideal combination of space, performance, style, and advanced tech. The roomy Grand Highlander never makes you choose between passengers and cargo. You can fit both with ease. With three spacious rows and available seating for up to eight. And leg room that makes even long trips comfortable. With Grand Highlander's available 362 horsepower hybrid max powertrain on limited and platinum trims, you can be confident that you have the power, acceleration, and efficiency needed for almost any adventure your family can cook up. And you'll get where you're going in style with a modern, spacious cabin that's perfect for both playdates and date nights. Impressive tech upgrades take the new Grand Highlander to the next level, including a standard digital key, an available panoramic view mirror, and a 12.3-inch multimedia touchscreen. Don't just live life. Live life grander in the first-ever Toyota Grand Highlander. Learn more at toyota.com slash grandhighlander. Farm to store in days, not weeks. That's 80 Acres Farms. Did you know most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate? But not 80 Acres Farms. Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's zero need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter. Welcome back to Bridgerton, the official podcast. So we've been introduced to the Sharmas. I don't know what to ask you about them, really. Just like, what do you think? The Sharmas are perfect. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. They are, you know, in the books, they were the Sheffields. And uh, I love the way the show kept the name Sheffield in there. I think that was really sweet. Um, now they're the Sharmas, which I love. And, you know, I've said this before. I probably, I probably said it to you last year. I love the way Shondaland has taken this thing I created and expanded it. And they did it in a way that I personally could not have done just on my own. And I think that's one of the beauties of television, which is such a collaborative medium. You have so many people involved. You know, with a book, it's me and, you know, my editor. And I, you know, I can bring to it my imagination and my lived experiences and you know, there are limits to that um, and limits to what I can do well. Um, you know, I would love to write more about characters coming from India, but I want to make sure I can do it well and in a way that is not harmful to somebody, in a way that doesn't necessarily perpetuate a stereotype that I don't even know exists. I mean, that's the thing. You know, I love that with the Sharmas, you know, because there were so many people involved who could bring bits of them and their knowledge to it, they're able to create and, and expand the world in a way that is very authentic and has own voices. I know that um, one of the writers of this season is, um, she's Indian American, and I know that she was very involved with 
uh, writing the Sharma sisters mm. and um, bringing some of her experiences to it to keep, keep it really authentic. And I love that. What a creative way to like bring in other parts of the globe. And I mean, we also have Jack Featherington coming from the Americas. There's like a lot of newcomers. You you take it away with 03 and 04. Bridgerton is a romance. It's fantastic. It's about people falling in love. It's something we've all experienced or want to experience. And therefore, it's a kind of lovely wish fulfillment. But something very special that Shonda has brought to this show is the fact that people of colour are cast and playing in it as if really all it is about is human beings. And I have, I'm British, you can hear from my accent. I was born in Newcastle upon Tyne in Great Britain, and I started working for the BBC at a young age. But I'm of Indian and British extraction. So my mother's English, my father is from South India. And I was never able to portray my own background in this historical context. I made a, quite a number of films, TV shows, starring, you know, contemporary shows with people of colour from Britain in, and particularly from my Asian and Indian background. But in historical dramas, I got into any number of bits of hot water we produced when I said, can we just have someone of colour in this drama? And they just wouldn't go for it. They would always say, oh, no, no, no. Uh, there were no people of colour in Britain at this time, which, of course, is nonsense, by the way. And what was so startling when uh, Chris Van Dusen was in touch with me in, in October 2020, and he showed me the first few episodes, and we talked, started talking about season two, and I was just astonished and gratified and, it, and inspired to see people that look like me and look like my friends in a historical drama. And no, no one once said, what's that Joe Ando doing in this? She can't be Lady Danbury. Uh, but yeah, you know what? She's that Joe Ando. She's one of the most royal people and regal people I've ever met. Mm-hmm. And it was so exciting. And I said to Chris, uh, this is way back in October, I didn't know anything about season two. I said, this is amazing. I said, the one thing that's slightly missing is that, of course, at that time, Great Britain had had a huge number of trade and indeed uh, legal connections with India. I mean, there was the, the East India Company ran the country, basically. Uh, when I say ran, I, mean, I actually mean robbed millions of pounds from it. I think uh, in the middle of the Victorian era, 200 million pounds contemporaneously were being taken from India. So put that in today's context. What's that, 200 billion? Anyway, a lot was believed and brought back to Great Britain and made Britain great, actually. Um, and so, it, it, and he said to me, well, now, now we're going to send you some scripts for season two. And lo and behold, in season two, the Sheffields become the Sharmas. And suddenly the whole world, a real world, opened up of that connection between Great Britain and the subcontinent of India. Because it's a romance, we're making the very best of that. Uh, we're making the very best of what could have been if only if only that humanity had been around at that time. So what could have been is what you see on screen. And the Sharmas are exactly that wish fulfillment of saying, yes, if there wasn't in the real world being this awful kind of conflict and um, to give it the proper word racism. And of course, in Shondaland, there isn't. In Shondaland, people are people. Uh, women are people 
of equal stature to the men, which is fantastic. And yeah. to me, it was it was like I can can't tell you, Gabby. It was like coming home to a dream. And there was a point in the filming. It's in episode three. I think the, our main characters are arriving at uh, at, at the at Bridgeton Country Estate, Aubrey Hall. Yes, Aubrey Hall. And we were filming in a carriage, and I put my head through the carriage to just give the usual directions. <laughs> and there was Adjua Ando, there was Shelley Con, there was Charitra Chandran, and there was Simone Ashley. And I looked around. I it's like wow, these four women of colour. They're four women of colour in Regency uh, Empire cut dresses, the bonnets, the wigs, the dirt, all looking amazing. And they weren't incidental. They were our lead characters. And I've stuck my head through the carriage window. I looked around and I was, it's a British phrase, this for your non-British listeners, I was gobsmacked. It means uh, I couldn't think of a word to say. And I and I said, to, I said, I'm looking at a vision that I've had in my head for 25 years and I'm looking at it right now and you are the most important things in this episode and you're you're being driven to Aubrey Hall you've got to turn the world upside down you've got to turn Anthony's world upside down and I'm so excited to be filming with you You will be assessing me, I know considering how I might perform as Viscountess. And he should not be the only one. You too must consider if Lord Bridgerton is everything you want in a match as well. Indeed. We should all pass the week with open minds. I should be the very picture of amiability. Very well. The Sharma sisters at heart, they're the Sheffield sisters, I wrote. I mean, they're... What's inside of them is the same. Isn't that something? Mm. Yeah. Kate is Kate and Edwina is Edwina. Yes. And that's just what's amazing is that, you know, it, it just goes to show you that, you know, people, you know, we're not the same because everybody's different. But at heart, we we want the same things and we have the same characteristics and we may have different experiences and different cultures. But the types of things that, you know, shape our minds and our hearts and our our wants and our goals, those echo around the world. And both the actresses, Simone Ashley and Charitra Chandran, are just brilliant in the roles. There, there's a moment in, I think it's, uh, I think it's the second episode when Anthony has his big thing and he says, I can't say poetry. I can only be myself, man of action, whatever. And it, the camera goes on Edwina's face while she's looking at him. And it's amazing because, you know, Edwina could be this character that could seem like nothing but a foil for Kate. And Charita brings so much more to it. Um, you just see in her face right there, you know, her the quiet intelligence that she has too that is just, you know, she's used to being a bit overshadowed by her older sister and like letting her older sister take the lead. And um and then, of course, with, you know, Kate, I mean, Simone brings so much fierceness to it. So I just, those two actresses are absolutely amazing. And they really brought to the fore everything I was trying to do with this set of sisters. I, I just, I, I could not be happier. And what you said about Edwina's quiet intelligence is so true. I feel like I learned so much more about Edwina when she's not speaking. Mm-hmm. 
and like looking at someone while they're speaking. Sharitha really did bring that out in Edwina. I love that so much. I love that. Yeah, Kate definitely still has that bite in the show. One of the ways that she exhibits that same kind of undercurrent of just like, I'm like two steps ahead is like the tea and not liking the tea. <laughs> but she's she's very, I can't put my finger on it, but she's very not passive. A little passive aggressive. <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. Yeah. And another thing I love about the character of Kate is her interactions with Lady Danbury, which Yes. That's new to the show, but it brings out a part of her character, which I was really trying to do in the book, too, which is this this woman who's used to being the smartest person in the room. And, and she usually is the smartest person in the room. And learning to be the smartest person in the room without being, like, a jerk is a skill. And there are a couple times when... You know, she crosses the line into being kind of, you know, annoying about being the smartest person in the room. And Lady Danbury is just having none of it. And so Kate gets to learn, too. I think she does. So Kate was basically acting along the lines of, like, I'll be okay. I'll be by myself and I'll have my wealth and I don't need all of this. And Danbury is like, you want to be me, but you can't be me. Because I have lived and I have loved. Kate also has a moment of self-reflection. And then you see throughout the show, Kate like is slightly annoyed by Lady Danbury. But towards the like middle of the season, she kind of loosens up and heeds what Lady Danbury says. She like at least takes it in. Well, you know, this brings me back to one of my life lessons recently. Just one of the smartest things you can do is to recognize when people know more than you do. Preach. There are people, I I mean, I think I'm a fairly smart, intelligent person, but I recognize when other people know more about certain things than I do. And so with Bridgerton, there were a whole host of people who knew more about making a television show than I did. And the fact that they wanted to start off with my characters and my story was such an honor, but I'm just going to say, go with it. I trust you guys. You are smart. You know what you're doing. And that's what Kate needs to learn from Lady Danbury is, wait a minute, you know, this woman's been the leader of the ton for how many years? Who am I to come in here and try to tell her how to do it? I mean, if I were Lady Danbury, I would have lost it with her way sooner than that. Yeah, she was pretty patient. (laughs) Yeah. Since we're talking about them, there's just this other moment. And it's this universal moment where Kate is oiling... Edwina's scalp, Mm. which I just, I love that so much. It's just such an intimate moment. It's just such, it was just so good. (laughs) I just love that little detail. You must know you did nothing wrong. I must have done something. The rest of the Dawn are now set to join us in the country. Surely if the Viscount were to propose, he would have done it by now, yes? What if I have missed my chance? Edwina. Perhaps I should have found out more about the Bridgertons. I should have known more about their interests. I should have been better. I mean, the thing is, in in many cultures, but very specifically in Indian culture, the oiling of hair is a thing that a mother does with a daughter or a sister does with a sister. Mm-hmm. And it is actually an expression of... of uh, uh, of love, tenderness, tenderness, and love, and mm-hmm. of course, to come at this moment where Anthony has just failed, 
at the at the dinner party at the dinner table to propose to her so she's heartbroken and to then have her hair treated so tenderly it's really upsetting of course and, and brings the emotions the upset out for Edwina and Charitha really I think channeled that I hope you feel that she did um, shot very simply and really it was a, it was a matter of knowing the situation and allowing those two wonderful actors to work their way through it and 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 you know while you're there two actors very quiet set this was quiet I might add and, and just encouraging them to go one more time or enlarge on on a specific thing they were doing or look they were doing and just keeping the cameras running saying okay so let's just take it back to the beginning and we're going to go that again this time kneel down at this line or or, because I, i felt something really special there and you know when you're doing those intimate scenes they are very very satisfying if we all feel that um that we're in an intimate and uh an honest situation where they can show me what they feel. And, and I hope they did. And I think they did. Thank you for taking us inside to describe how you all brought that off of the page. And I thank you because I feel like some things like that can get lost and they may not resonate with some viewers. But for me, that was just like, I know this experience, you know, that was incredible. The fact is you recognize that whether it's something from your own experience or just the tenderness between these two women you recognised. And I recognised it, you know, uh, and I've, I've never actually had my hair oiled ever. Uh, but I think I'm going to go out and get it done by someone. <laughs> I'm going to ask someone, please. <laughs> you have to just sit down, let someone part your hair oh. and mm-hmm, massage your scalp. So nice. So, so nice. Yeah. One of the things I really want to talk about is Kate Sharma's disdain for English tea. Mm, I can talk about it. Got some Earl Grey right here. Yeah, there you yeah. go. There you go. Well, that's the thing. We're in the Bridgerton tea land, so we've got to talk about tea. What we call in England tea is served the Chinese way, which is um, boiling water, leaves, strained that's tea. And then you add milk later and a bit of sugar if your taste goes that way. Now in India, you you get your tea, you get some water, you get some milk, you get some uh, sugar or jaggery, as it's called, so it's kind of crystalline sugar, and you get some spices and you boil it all up and it's called chai. You know, we, me and Simo were just having a laugh about it, really saying, you know, there's this this weak, weak ineffectual uh, English tea because if you if I went to my aunt's house in, uh, in Chennai and she was boiling up chai, it's pretty strong and it's been boiling for ages <laughs> and it's sweet and it's milky and it is quite a different drink really and mm. um so we did the best we can because she couldn't do that all she could do was bring a few so we had cloves we had cardamom which is my own personal favorite spice and does make the most a wonderful tea whether you boil the milk up in it or just have it black it just is it's a lovely lovely set of spices and that's all that was it was just she brings a pouch of this of these tea with her as a reminder of home I really enjoyed that. And I just, I love how snarky she is throughout about the the tea that is available. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's just so funny. I guess I also just really loved that it was, there was this idea in the show that 
you've got the Sharmas coming from India, but they know the game. Like they're not like coming up, you know, and into this society. They are very much part of it, just living somewhere else. Yeah. Although I think a lot of it is unfamiliar to them just because even if, you know, the mother was very squarely of that world um, and she, you know, according to society, married down. I think the the father who is not in the show was a clerk maybe. I, I, yeah. But she comes back. She's very much of this world and they are they are being brought into society by Lady Danbury. So nobody can question their they're bona fides. But I think it, it is still a culture shock for them. I think high society in uh, India, I think I think they're from Bombay, I think is still quite different than high society in London. The hardest thing, actually, for Simone and Charitra, who certainly lived either the majority of their lives in England or, or born there, is actually they created an accent without their dialect coach to give a very accurate, what I believe is a very accurate, rendition of someone who was born in uh, present-day Mumbai and has learnt English impeccably, but they've still got a bit of an accent. So those accents they speak in in the show are manufactured and practised, and to my ear, they were perfect. So someone might tell me different, but I they worked so hard on them. Wow. Yeah, they don't speak like that. <laughs> That's such a great little tidbit. I didn't know that. Yeah, I mean, really hard because it's it's another layer between them and their acting. And so, and you know what? They never, ever let it get in the way. Yeah. So speaking about the South Indian background, I got a tip that the costume department made it a point to try to bridge a decades-long history of Indian fashion into the reimagined Regency-era fashion to blend those together to create the palettes and colors and designs for the Sharma costumes. There's something of that. I mean, they don't wear Indian costumes, but the fact is that Indian uh, fabrics were essential to British costumes of the era. So muslin, Mm. uh, the Paisley pattern. It's called Paisley, which is in Scotland, but actually it's a, a pattern from what in those days was called the Northwest Frontier, but essentially Pakistan and Afghanistan. It's a a specific pattern. So all that was integrated as much as possible. Wow. We'll be right back. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. You need a vehicle that can meet your family's needs, and Toyota has you covered. Introducing the first ever Grand Highlander, a midsize SUV with the ideal combination of space, performance, style, and advanced tech. The Rumi Grand Highlander never makes you choose between passengers and cargo. You can fit both with ease. With three spacious rows and available seating for up to eight. And leg room that makes even long trips comfortable. With Grand Highlander's available 362 horsepower hybrid max powertrain on limited and platinum trims, you can be confident that you have the power, acceleration, and efficiency needed for almost any adventure your family can cook up. And you'll get where you're going in style with a modern, spacious cabin that's perfect for both playdates and date nights. Impressive tech upgrades take the new Grand Highlander to the next level, including a standard digital key, an available panoramic view mirror, and a 12.3-inch multimedia touchscreen, 
Don't just live life. Live life grander in the first ever Toyota Grand Highlander. Learn more at toyota.com slash Grand Highlander. Did you know that most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate, but not with 80 Acres Farms? Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled, going from farm to store in days, not weeks. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's no need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter. Welcome back. I had to rewatch 03 and 04 like more than twice to make sure I was seeing what I was seeing and hearing what I was hearing. And there's a point where Eloise says you wish to be entertained when she's like set up to dance with mm-hmm, mm-hmm. someone. Yeah, yeah. Which I, I feel like is a very Shondaland thing. Like I wish to be entertained. I think it was more a comment on the fact that as a young woman, she's supposed to perform for yeah. a potential suitor. And that's in the middle of the ball. And it, a, a man that, that, that Violet thinks is suitable because he's also a bit difficult like her. And of course, what he is, he's actually a bit of a, a bit of a, a chauvinist. And he doesn't believe that women can do anything. And he immediately puts her back up. And when he says that, of course, she storms out. And it is uh, yes. an extraordinary performance from, uh, from Claudia and indeed from Ruth, as, as always. Eloise. What? I invited Lord Morrison specifically for you. He's known to share your rebellious spirit. My rebellion is not some party dress I put on to play a part, Mama, and it is certainly not some accomplishment I have developed, like singing or painting to help me attract a suitor. I... No. I am a disappointment to you, so just allow me to take my leave and go to bed. Up until this point, I thought we had seen Claudia be, you know, Eloise in full effect, but in that moment, I'm like, oh, this is Eloise. Like... She's really tormented. She's not just the odd, the black sheep, so to say, of the family. She's really tormented. Yeah, she's not a comedy character, though she is very funny because she's such a witty person. And Claudia, uh, I believe, uh, has has been or is a stand-up comedian. So she's she's done quite a bit of comedy (laughs) stuff and she's such a delightful person in reality, of course. But no, she's feeling the pain of, of being a woman in the early 19th century where you are really... Uh, judged on 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 the men or the man you're married to, uh, and your worth is judged on that, not on who you are. And she can't stand it. It's almost like she's she's got a vision of the future and and knows that she'll never be part of it. Claudia plays the character of Eloise with with such intelligence, with such a an ironic view of the male idiots around her who have the opportunity to do everything. So, in fact, Benedict, rather, played by Luke Thompson, gets into an art college. He's got the chance to do that. Right. Uh, And, of course, the other Luke, Luke Newton, who plays Colin Bridgerton, has been all around Europe. He's been on the Grand Tour. Poor Eloise has been stuck at home with her books. Right. And, you know, we talked an awful lot between the three of us about that power dynamic, about the opportunities that they've had and have wasted in a way mm. and about the the opportunities that Eloise has been denied. Colin has been abroad, learnt nothing and actually wants to return to Marina. Uh, Benedict <laughs> has got into art school, but I'm not sure 
he's not sure what he really wants out of life you know it's right. it's exciting but he's he's got problems with drink where he'll go we don't know Speaking of Marina, that is also one of my other favorite series of moments. The actress's performance was so ruthless. <laughs> she just handled Colin like a rag doll. Throughout my travels, I kept pondering how I left things between us. All of those terrible things I said to you. Colin, there is no need. I want you to know that I'm sorry. And that I forgive you as well. I do not need your apology any more than I desire your forgiveness. All of this, you and I, is in the past. So it seems. But do not look at your life and wonder what may have been if we had conducted ourselves differently. That is a fool's form of torture. I have left the past behind. You should do the same. There's a big, like, faction of people who are, like, for Marina and not for Marina. And so, I guess... What were your conversations like? <laughs> Our conversations were fan- fantastic and really open. Ruby Barker is a lovely, lovely, intelligent actor and wants to, wanted to play this from a position of strength. And we absolutely talked about the Colin. As she says, you're a little boy. You're projecting things on me that aren't me. You need to grow up. And you need to look at the person who really loves you, i.e. Penelope. And it's a tough thing to say because this boy has come all the way to her married life and tried to tell her that her marriage is no good. And she says, no, actually, listen, I've got a big house. I've got a, two children. Um, <laughs> I, my husband will take care of me and he uh, respects me. And that's pretty good for a woman in that era yeah. you know i don't and, need to be saved i was like oh my goodness yeah you know <laughs> and so part of our you know rehearsal process is, is is understanding uh with me and ruby and luke understanding completely what we want to achieve in those scenes and then as i said letting them loose and we're in um west wickham park the most amazing this is i might add here's another little secret the, the room that that Violet gave birth in was was over on the other side of the hallway. <laughs> uh, but on our side, we were in uh, Marina's new house. Oh, wow. You know, she had the freedom, I hope, to express herself. And, of course, there's that terrible look of regret when Colin finally does go. Yeah. You know, very small, very subtle. And um, I think kind of... <sighs> She's been strong. She's told him he's a boy, but actually he's still got the best. He's had the best of opportunities and he's thrown them all away. I now feel like he was a little presumptuous when he went to see totally Marina. You know, I'm mm. like, oh, I just really loved that moment because um, it just reinforces where these women are actually coming from. Like they know they're in this society, but they have opinions. And I feel like we see that more this season. And I think this is the other reason Bridgerton is so successful. Every scene is about how women who have no power or very little power or very small, narrow uh, corridors of of movement are able to manipulate their world and make the most of it. Um, There is a commonality between the struggles of people of colour and women in the world today. And indeed, the, the approach I had was really about how they all use their cleverness, their personality, to push that through you know whether you're uh, talking about the uh, lady featherington who of course only has she's got 
no money, but she's got this extraordinary determination to to push through things, whether it's uh, Eloise, for example, with her fantastic intellect, or you've got Penelope, uh, who, of course, is completely powerless, but actually she has great power, again, through the power of her mind, the ability to have created the uh, her newsletter and to put it out there. And in fact, I would say to Nicola Coughlin, playing Penny, I said, you know, she's got a superpower. Like, she's actually invisible. She hears stuff and then she puts it out there. And if that was a Marvel movie, she would have a superpower. I don't know what she would be called. I, I might leave that to you or your listeners to, to work out what Penny's Marvel superhero name would be, but it would be something amazing. And uh, and she'd still be dressed in her citrus outfit. In some ways, that it was about seeing what the superpower was in each of these women that, that was important to me, because a superpower in, in things like the Marvel Universe are really about things that you have to keep secret. If everyone knew then they would be compromised. They they would actually be trapped. It's a hugely entertaining to see someone who is an underdog actually triumph against the the the, the forces against them. And and you know that alone is enough to bring me to the show and I hopefully bring all our, our, our listeners today as well. They are determined to carve out as much power as they can. Yeah. You know, they know that they're not going to, they're not going to be the ones to overthrow the patriarchy. It's just, we're, we're too far back for that. And I think it's important to write about the women who pulled out the bricks so that other women can knock down the wall. Because this is the time period that I've chosen to write in, you know, we're, we're, we're still a few generations away from women's suffrage and, you know, even more generations away from, you know, what we think of now as feminism. But somebody's got to start the process and that's what these women are doing. And, you know, it would be unrealistic of me to write them as, as the women, like, running over the wall. Um, it's just, we weren't there yet, historically. But I can ha- write these women who are grabbing power and nurturing power where they can. And, and that's what I want to do. And, and then I get, to, I get to say it's part of the Bridgerverse, which my son, who's, like, into, like, Marvel movies and stuff, is like, you are not allowed to say that, Mom. That is not cool. He says, you're going too far if you start talking about the Bridgerverse. <laughs> that is really cute. Hold on, I have to write that down. <laughs> the Bridgerverse. Everyone loves Newton. Do you want to give a shout out to the little dog actor who played Newton? I don't know. I was surprised at how many people were like, yay for Newton. I was yeah, when when those stills were released and people saw that there was a corgi in one of the photos, that was all anybody could talk about. Yeah. I think there were so many readers who were so afraid Newton wouldn't be in the show. <laughs> Newton's big moment in the books did not make it into the show. Newton had like a very pivotal moment in the books. But still, just the fact that he's there, I, I think book readers would have been very disappointed if Newton weren't in. Here's to Newton. Here's to the corgi. I know. And fun fact. I learned when the book came out that corgis were not called corgis then. Oh. I can't even remember the details, except that, like, I got slapped down by the historical accuracy police <laughs> um, about corgis existing but not being called corgis. And, I, I, you know, I think I may have actually put that on my website. I have a section for every single book. There's, like, a about the... Inside the story, it's called. And I have the background information, and it's got stuff about various 
research stuff and things I got wrong and like if there's inside jokes for readers. Let's see here. Oh, here we go. I will now read to you from my website. <laughs> Regular readers know that I love to include animals in my books. Newton, the overweight corgi, was modeled after Homer, a very friendly corgi who lived on my street. Corgis, while not an officially recognized breed in Britain until the 1920s, originated in Wales during the Middle Ages. Corgis are also very popular with the royal family. Queen Elizabeth's dogs are dorgies, which are corgi dachshund mixes. I Maybe I saw this on your site. <laughs> yes, yeah, so that, that inside the story, I'm sure, is a result of people like getting all upset with me calling them corgis since they were not recognized breed until the 1920s. Aww. But it is a fun thing for if you are one of my readers, please come to the website and every single every single book has a page and every single book page has a section called Inside the Story, which has these fun little tidbits about the book. Ding. Ding. Once again schooling us, letting us in. Um, I could talk to you about characters and your like inspiration for hours, literally. Well, thank you. Um, and you're just such a pleasure to speak to. Alex Pillay, thank you so much for your time and your candor and letting us inside your head. Thank you so much, Gabby. You've been incredibly generous as a as a host, and you know I, I'm really, really looking forward to everyone's reactions. And I know uh, I'm sure many of them will be positive. So I'm looking forward to it. Thank you for joining us on this deep dive into the world of Bridgerton. Next week, host Gabrielle Collins will be joined by Tom Verica, director and head of creative production at Shondaland, and Simone Ashley, who plays Kate Sharma. If you're enjoying this show, please subscribe, share with your friends, rate, or leave us a review. And if you haven't finished binging Bridgerton on Netflix, please go do that so you can enjoy all of the juicy spoilers with us. Bridgerton, the official podcast, is executive produced by Sandy Bailey, Lauren Holman, Tyler Klang, and Gabrielle Collins. Our producer and editor is Vince DiGioni. Bridgerton, the official podcast, is a production of Shondaland Audio in partnership with iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from Shondaland Audio, visit the iHeartRadio app or anywhere you subscribe to your favorite shows. Did you know that most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate, but not with 80 Acres Farms? Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled, going from farm to store in days, not weeks. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's no need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter. You deserve to treat yourself, so turn your tax refund into a U-fund and give yourself a Straight Talk Wireless Extended Silver Unlimited plan and get a new Samsung Galaxy A14 on them. You can get a great everyday value on wireless with Straight Talk's unlimited plan starting at $25 a line per month for four lines. You'll save so much, you'll be enjoying that refund all year long. It's the refund that keeps on refunding. Find Straight Talk at straighttalk.com or at your local Walmart store. Taxes and fees not included. Offer valid through 41424 while supplies last. Online only. Must purchase a Straight Talk extended Silver Unlimited plan to qualify. Limit of five phones per customer. Family plan discount with four lines all on the Silver Unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview, Great Falls, offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, 
safety and security, transportation, resort style amenities, and high quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity.